I'm excited about the study this morning, about what God has laid on my heart to share with you, and really about this whole topic. I, I had an opportunity, uh, my daughter, oldest daughter that lives in Atlanta called me this week, and I had an opportunity to talk with her. She said, what are you speaking on on Sunday? And so I was able to kind of give her a pre-sermon sermon, you know, and uh, it, was, it, it excited me in sharing it, and Shannon said to me, you're really excited about this week. I said, yeah, I am, because I'm kind of learning some things that I really didn't know about taste and, and the importance of that, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And one of the things that I discovered, one of the marvels of the human body is taste buds. So would you with me just stick out your tongue, and on your tongue, you have some taste buds that it's an amazing thing. Researchers say that we have anywhere between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds on our tongues so that we can distinguish between five main flavors. You probably know what these flavors are. Salty, bitter, sweet, sour, and what they call umami um, is savory. So salty, bitter, sweet, sour, and savory. I need to start us off with two volunteers. Now you don't, please trust me, this, this, is, this is a taste test simply for you to identify one of those five flavors. It's not going to be crazy stuff. You can trust me on this, I promise. Uh, I'm not going to have you eat weird, crazy things. So do I have two volunteers? Okay, Chris is one. Come on up, Chris. Give Chris a hand today. He's going to be on this side. I need one more. Come on, one more volunteer. Come on. Bill, come on. Come on down. We'll take, oh. You want Philip? All right, sorry, sorry, Bill. We got Philip. Come on, Philip. Would you help me, Brooke? We're going to get them blindfolded. Now, trust me, we just don't want you to see what it is before you taste it, okay? Okay, you can't see anything? Okay, so what we have, we have items um, that are in little cups, little sample cups like you've already tasted in the back. They're different items than what we had in the back, though. And um, so what we want is for... Uh, you to do some taste testing. So if you could grab that, Brooke, thank you. Thank you. Give it up for Brooke for helping us. She kind of set this up for us today. And so um, what, we've, what we've got is we've got, obviously, on the screens, these guys can't see it, but on the screens, we've got the, the flavors. And we want them to taste the item. There's a port in their mouth and taste the item. And then when you know what it is, salty, uh, sweet, sour, bitter, savory, one of those, just, just yell it out. Okay, once you, get, once you get the taste of it and you know what it is, tell us what it is, all right? And we're going to know on the screen, so we'll see if they get it right. Give it up for our volunteers, Chris and Philip. Yeah, and you can take any samples you want back to your seat if you'd like to have them. Yeah, um, I got to tell you that the interesting thing about our taste is the tongue could exist um, without taste buds, but God has given us the ability to delight in and enjoy the food that we eat. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I mentioned it last week that, you know, God could have set us up that we would just eat air or eat dirt. But instead, he set us up to enjoy food. And so we have these taste buds that are only there to help us enjoy food. There's not really any other reason why we have taste buds other than to enjoy our food. In fact, food wouldn't be the same without taste buds. And we know that to be true, right? Have you, have you ever burned your tongue to the point where you can't taste anything? 
I've, I've done that at dinners before where I've mistakenly burned my tongue and then the whole rest of the dinner you can't taste it. Everybody's like, oh, this is so good. This is the best meal I've ever had. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this really stinks. I can't taste a thing because my tongue is burned. You know, that kind of a thing. Or you have a cold. Have you ever had a cold and you just can't taste anything? Yeah, we, we lose our sense of taste and food doesn't taste the same. Tasting is an important part of our lives. So along these lines of thought, the psalmist writes this passage in Psalm 34 that we've used as our key text throughout um, this series. You probably know it from last week. Let's read it together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, read it with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, here's the thing. Most of us have never thought about tasting God. I mean, we worship God, we serve God, we love God, we give to God, you know, we read about God, all, but we don't, I don't know about you, but I've never thought about, really thought about tasting God. Our usual thoughts about God don't involve tasting him, but here the psalmist is inviting us to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, if it just said, see that the Lord is good, it would be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? I mean, because we can see from a safe distance. I mean, far too many people, I think, observe God from a distance. One of the problems when we remain distant like that, when we observe God from a distance, is we have a tendency to make our opinions about God based on how things look, how things appear. Maybe you don't see God's goodness um, or his love, or, or, or you, you don't see him providing in your life, and so you begin to question God. You question his care. You question his mercy. You question his faithfulness. You, you form an opinion about God based on what you see, but you haven't experienced him. You don't really know him. In fact, have you ever had an opinion about God that was based on something that you've never experienced personally? I bet you have. I bet most of us have. Because we see what we think to be God working in somebody else's life, and we get a positive or negative opinion about God based on that. Well, you know, I had a friend, and he prayed and prayed and prayed, and God never came through. And so I'm just not sure. You follow me? We, we have a tendency to do this, to form an opinion from a distance. Some of us approach God like I used to approach this. Take a look at this. This is slimy, I mean, gross kind of stuff that is um, kind of looks like puke. I'll be honest with you. I mean, when you look at it up close, and for years, I didn't like this stuff. I didn't want anything to do with it. Some of you in the room may feel the same way. But honestly, I just got to be really honest, I never really tried it. And over the last few years, I have come to love guacamole. In fact, just this past week, uh, my wife and I, we were over at Chipotle, which we're going to be at in a couple of weeks, and we were over at Chipotle having lunch. And uh, I, I, if you don't know, I'm vegetarian, vegan, and uh, by doctor's orders. And so um, I'm going through the line, and they said, what do you want? And I said, I'm, I want a vegetarian uh, bowl. And so they start making it up for me, and I get towards the end, and this one girl says, would you like guacamole in it? I said, no, thank you. She goes, well, it's included. This is vegetarian, right? I said, yeah. I said, you mean I don't have to pay more money for it? She goes, oh, no, no, no. It's considered your protein. 
Well, lay it on. I mean, give me more. She put it on and she goes, would you like more? I said, yes. You know, so I mean, my whole top was full of guacamole. I didn't know I could get it for free. Most of the time you have to pay, right? So in fact, speaking of that, I've got some right here. I have discovered, and I, I got Brooke, our server, today. I'm going to take mine. Yeah, if, would anybody like some chip, uh, chips and guacamole? Let's go ahead. She's got a couple of bowls there. I've discovered, it's fresh, by the way. I just made it before service. It's been in the fridge, okay? Um, I've discovered that guacamole is a great thing. And I don't mean to eat in front of you, but I'm going to, because this series is all about eating and tasting. So, I'm going to enjoy it. Somebody else, I've got some to share right here. Um, I've discovered that guacamole is a good thing. Why? Because I tasted it. I tried it. Now, some of you are sticking your tongue out going, no, I'm not even going to try it. It's amazing, though, how many food items we don't like because we've never really tried them. Isn't it? And then you try something and you go, Wow, I like this. I, I never would have dreamed. My mom is still amazed to this day. I grew up in a, in a southern home. Uh, my mom and dad were from Tennessee, and so beans, was, they were cooked a lot. And that was usually, you know, beans and cornbread was, was dinner a lot. For My, my dad really loved it. And um, I hated beans growing up. I would not touch them. I didn't want them. I would go without eating if that was all that we had. And sometimes my mom would say, you can't have anything else if you're not going to eat this and you're not going to eat. She was one of those kind of parents. And so I had the cornbread. I didn't eat the beans. And finally, she started giving in because she started seeing my resolve in this that I was not going to eat beans. I mean, that's just kind of the way I was. Now, because of my dietary restrictions, guess what? The last time I met with my doctor, my doctor said to me, I want you to increase the intake of beans. I want that to be your primary protein. I love beans now. And my mom can't believe that I love beans the way that I, I cook beans. I will go home and cook a bowl of beans. That will be my dinner. Um, I love them. And so it's amazing how even your taste, even though I was kind of forced into this, my tastes have begun to change. And it's amazing how they change because we experience it. What happens all too often is we form opinions about God based on what we see, not what we experience. That's the first fill in the blank on your outline if you want to get it in. All too often we form opinions about God based on what we see, not what we experience. Far too many people observe God from a distance, hoping that, you know, just because I'm seeing God, this will satisfy my life, but it doesn't. You can't just observe God. You have to experience him. God wants us to experience him. That's why he has in the Bible our verse. Say it with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Now, obviously, we're not talking about physically eating God. I mean, don't, don't go away from this study and go, well, Bart said to taste God. No, we're not talking physically. The, the writer is pointing to something. He's trying to tell us something. And this is what I want you to get today. When you taste something, you experience it personally. That's the whole point. When you taste something, you experience it personally. Tasting can't be done from a distance. Everybody knows that. I mean, tasting is impossible without coming up close and personal. Tasting something requires that we pick it up and we put it in our what? Mouths. And it touches our 
tongue, right? And, it, and we swallow it down our throat that we experience it. We saw that in our taste test today. So here's the question. Why do I need to taste God? I mean, why is this so important that the Bible would talk about it in several different places, not just Psalm 34, that we should taste God? First, it's because God wants me to hunger for what only he can provide. God wants me to be hungry for him, for what only he can provide for us. Have you ever tasted something that was really, really good? I mean, to the point where it was so good that you responded with something other than words. It was more like noises. Ever, ever done that where you go, mmm, so good. Have you ever done that? Or, or, oh, this is so good, right? Okay, you know why we do that? It's, it's because we're tasting something and experiencing it, and it is so good to us. It tastes so good. The Apostle Peter writes this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hmm. Now we know babies, <laughs> they don't need to be taught to cry out when they're hungry. How many of you know that? I mean, they just have this natural instinct. They're, the craving is so natural. It's a normal thing. Hunger is experienced, and what do they do? They cry. Their voices are heard. God has built into babies this loud crying mechanism. You know, babies are, infants are weak everywhere else. You can look, they're so frail and fragile. But man, not in their voices. From these little bitty creatures comes this loud wail when they are hungry, right? And all of us have experienced that. Babies have such a strong set of lungs and vocal cords, and they know how to use them, especially when they're hungry. It's something that is a built-in mechanism that mothers can't ignore. It's something that has to be satisfied. And that's what Peter is talking about in our lives. That we would desire God with the same singularity the same craving that a, that a baby desires food. Peter specifically says newborn babies. Don't miss that. Infants that have, that have just come out of the womb in the very first hours and days of their lives, so completely dependent upon the nourishment of its mother. And the only desire the baby has, it has no other desire than what the mother can bring. It's as if Peter is asking you and me, do you have that kind of craving for God? Hmm. As Jesus followers, we need to have this desperate hunger for God. We need to desire God as if our life depended on it, because it does. God wants you and wants me to hunger for what only he can provide. John Piper is author, pastor, he says this, if we don't feel strong desires for God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Wow. I think one of the greatest problems in the lives of Jesus' followers, I think one of the greatest, saddest issues in the life of most churches is that we have lost our hunger for God. 
Secondly, why do I need to taste God? God wants me to experience him, not just know about him. I want you to get that down on your outline. God wants me to experience him, not just know about him. One of the primary ways that we can experience God is through the pages of the Bible. The Bible talks about this repeatedly. Uh, one of the authors uh, and former pastor that, um, that I love to read is A.W. Tozer. He says this, The Bible is a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that they may taste and know the inner sweetness of God himself in the core of their hearts. The, the Bible, friends, the Bible is is to, to help us know God, not just know about him, but to know him. John Piper says we taste the sweetness of God as he meets us in his word. That's good. It's along the lines of what the psalmist write. In Psalm 119, look what he says. How sweet your words taste to me, that they are sweeter than honey. He's saying they're sweeter than honey. Honey was the, one of the sweetest things they had at that time in their culture. And he's saying it's even sweeter than honey even better. Prophet Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Sadly, all too often, we see the Bible as just another book. We, we read the Bible to get knowledge. We read the Bible to improve ourselves. We read the Bible because it's what Christians do. And with these motivations, we're never going to taste God. You know, as someone who grew up in church i got to tell you, I, I've done church all my life. I have often viewed the Bible as both fascinating and yet perplexing at times. Um, I, I remember hearing all of the stories growing up as a kid, hearing all the stories in kids' classes, and they were really entertaining to me. I loved hearing the stories. I grew up in the day when they still used flannel graph. Anybody know what that is? where there's a board and you have these little characters that are cut out and you put them on it. And, and, and I remember just you know, raising my hand because I want to be the volunteer who puts the people on the board. And so the teacher would read the story and I would put it and I would act it out. And, and it was so entertaining to me, these stories of the Bible. But as I grew up and became older and became an adult, I have to admit it was hard to make sense of all of it and apply some of it to my life. When we read the Bible, sometimes... It feels like it's a lot to unpack. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. But there's just, a, there's just a lot to it. And sometimes it's difficult to get anything out of what we have read in the Bible. And so what we do sometimes is we just decide, well, I'm just not going to read it on my own. I'll just, you know, listen to somebody else on a podcast or I'll come to a church service like this and let somebody tell me what it means. But on my own, I just don't get it. I have a hard time applying it. I have a hard time unpacking it. Something that helped me years ago, and, I, and I, I'm not saying this is the way that you have to go, and I hope that this never happens to you, but, but something that helped me in this area years ago was facing my dad's death. Um, in, in the midst of exploratory surgery, some of you know, my dad was diagnosed with four-stage cancer, stomach cancer. And, and in the midst of my grief, I grabbed a Bible to read. I, I, you know, I was not only a, a Jesus follower, but I was also a pastor right here at this church. This happened um, 22 years ago. Actually, next Sunday, January 19th, is the date 22 years ago that my father passed away. And so I was reminded of that this week. And so I was not only a Jesus follower, but I was a pastor, and I was still struggling 
with how the Bible applies to my life, that there were some things that I just couldn't get my mind around and my heart around. And I discovered through this process of grieving, I discovered that I was missing something about the Bible. So I, so I grabbed this Bible, not really knowing where to go because I was hurting so bad. I grabbed this Bible, and of all things, that week prior, I had been with my mom and dad before this, uh, this exploratory surgery, and I had went to a, a Christian bookstore, and it's that year that they came out with what's called the message paraphrase. Eugene Peterson wrote this, and, and it's just a paraphrase, and they only had the New Testament, and I really wanted one, and I found one for a pretty good price, and so I had bought a paperback copy of the message paraphrase. And I, I had no idea. Now I can look back and I connect the dots and I see that God was working through this. I had no idea of what was going to take place. But I, I cried out to God and I picked up the Bible. And I didn't know where to read. Maybe you've faced that before. I desperately needed to hear him. I, I was hurting. I needed to know what was going to take place. I, I, I was looking for something. And so I just started opening the Bible and reading the first few pages of the book of Matthew. And it was in the midst of reading that I found God speaking to me. And I came across Matthew 5, and here's the verse that God spoke to me. It says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Now, I, I got to admit, I stopped and I lost it because I'm saying, yeah, my, my dad next to my wife was my best friend in life. I mean, I talked with him several times a week. He lived in Tennessee. I lived here. He, he was really, really close to me. And so I was feeling like I was losing something that was most dear to me. The second part says, only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I felt like God was saying to me that he was there to embrace me. In my time of loss, in my time of grief, that he was there to embrace me in a relationship that I had never known up to that point. And I have to tell you, since that moment, I have experienced God every day. You say, well, you're a pastor. No, I'm just like you. I'm a person. And God began to speak to me through his word. And I know he speaks. And I know he is with me. Many people read the Bible to gain knowledge or information. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I, I do that too sometimes. But if that's all you do, you're missing the point of the Bible. The Bible is a continual story about God doing whatever he can to have a relationship with us. And so when you approach the Bible, you need to approach it saying, God, you're in this. You want to speak to me through this. And I want that kind of relationship with you that you want with me. I open my mind. I open my heart, God, to what you want to say. 
I, I challenge you to change your approach in reading the Bible. I want to encourage you to read the Bible to experience God. Don't just read the Bible because it's what you're supposed to do. Don't just read the Bible because you want to improve yourself. Don't just read your Bible because Bart says or somebody says. or Don't just read your Bible. I encourage you to read your Bible to experience God. Go into it saying, God, and this is what I do every day. God, I got to hear from you. I have to hear you speak to me because I need to know what to do in my life. And I'm coming into your word today with an open mind and an open heart. And I'm telling you, he will meet you there. And you will taste and see that he is good. Through his word, you will taste him. Go into it, not just reading the black text on white pages. Ask God to meet you there. We are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an invitation to come with your deepest hunger your, your deepest cravings to come to the only one who can satisfy your desires. So, so today, this is what I'm trying to get you to do. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, say it with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is our goal throughout this series. It's for you to experience God in a brand new way right here in the beginning of this new year. And in a way, I guess I'm kind of like Sam I Am. Do you guys know this story? The story Dr. Seuss wrote about green eggs and ham. You know this, right? Don't worry. We're not going to have green eggs and ham for tasting today. But do you remember this story, this Dr. Seuss book? Sam I Am is trying to get this guy to try green eggs and ham. Remember that? But this guy keeps refusing, and he says, what does he say? Come on, I, I do not like green eggs and ham. Come on, say it with me. I do not like green eggs and ham. So Sam I Am says, well, try it in a house and try it with a mouse and try it in a box and try it with a fox. He says, try it on a train and in the rain. Try it in a boat with a, with a goat. Sam says, try it in a car. Try it in a tree here or there. And finally, the guy says, okay, okay, okay. If I try it, Will you just leave me alone? I mean, he didn't say it that way, but that's kind of what he's saying. Will you just leave me alone? I'll try this. And, and I, I laugh at this because this, this is me, and, and, and Caleb's kind of the same way at our house, but we, we have a tendency to try to get our family members to try things. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but it's like, well, you've got to try this. This is so good, right? And, and that's what this guy's doing. And I, and I chuckle at this because I relate to this because I want, I want people to experience it too. And I'm trying to be Sam I am to you today to get you to, to try God, to taste God. But finally, this guy says, okay, Sam, if I try it, will you leave me alone? Okay, I'll try it. And when this guy actually tastes it, this is what happens. Try them, try them, and you may. Try them, and you may, I say. Sam, if you let me be, I will try them. You will see. Hmm. Say, I like green eggs and ham. I do. I like them, Sam, I am. And I would eat them in a boat. And I would eat them with a goat. And I will eat them in the rain, and in the dark, and on a train. And in a car, and in a tree. They are so good, so good, you see. So I will eat them in a box, and I will eat them with a fox. And I will eat them in a house, and I will eat them with a mouse. 
and I would eat them here or there. Say, I will eat them anywhere. I do so like green eggs and ham. Thank you, thank you, Sam I am. Friends, I got to tell you personally that I have tasted God. And I have experienced God personally, and he is good. And I would love for you to be like this guy and say to me, thank you, Bart. I've tasted God, and you're right. He is good. I invite you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you bow your heads with me?